Dr. John Raymond is the president and CEO of the Medical College of Wisconsin, and he is with us in the studio. Hello, Dr. Raymond. Good afternoon, John. Thank you so much for being here. We always appreciate it when you stop by. Thank you. I want to ask you about allergies. I hear a lot of people around the office talking about allergies. Is it the peak of allergy season? Are we past it? Are there different allergies? When you have a discussion about allergies, where do you go? Yeah, good question. Allergies really are prolonged uh, during the year. So the season starts in the spring and goes through the autumn. Um, and we're really not at the at the peak of, quote, unquote, the allergy season. Um, but this is the time of year when tree pollen is around. Um, next month or in June, it's going to probably be more grass pollens. Later in the summer, ragweed. And then it, then in the fall, uh, you might get some leaf mold. So all of <laughs> so those a lot. All of those can cause the symptoms of allergic seasonal rhinitis, which basically means inflammation of the nose. Things we know, itchy eyes, runny nose, congestion, sneezing and wheezing. So when I was a boy, I had hay fever. And I remember I was always told, stay away from the plants that have the yellow, the yellow stalks. And that seemed to aggravate my hay fever if I was out in the field. As I got older, I outgrew it, and it completely went away. Is that common? Um, it can happen for sure. And, um, you know, when I moved here, I had some real problems with um, grass allergies, and those have gone away. You can become desensitized to your allergies, but other people can develop new hay fever symptoms as they get older. So it's, it really depends on the individual. Can you treat allergies and really make them subside, or is it just more masking the symptoms? I know this is a generalization because they're not all the same, but what are the common approaches to relieving? Yeah, well, first of all, prevention is important. So simple things like um, keeping the windows closed, turning your air conditioning on, um, not hanging clothes out to line dry um, because then you're bringing the allergen into the house, taking your clothes off and, and maybe not bringing your shoes in the house when you've been out exposed to, to the pollen's help. But certainly nasal steroids can help, um, and you can manage symptoms with antihistamines as well. Um, but the prevention's probably the most important thing that you can do. Or move to northern Canada <laughs> where nothing grows. <laughs> right. Right. That, that's the key. Nothing grows because pretty much anywhere you go, if there are plants growing, you might have hay fever. Hey, Dr. Raymond, I see studies all the time about BMI or body mass index, and I'm so quick to dismiss those studies because I don't feel like BMI takes into account your body composition. Doing a BMI would appear that I'm overweight. I don't feel that way. I feel like I'm healthy. Why is BMI still a thing in the medical world and how much stock do you put into it? Yeah, a really great question. So body mass index is just a crude measure of body fat based on your height and your weight. And for math majors out there, the formula is weight divided by the square root of your height. And basically that's useful for population-based studies, but it's not good for individuals because if you have a, a large frame or you're muscular, um, you can overestimate the body mass index because bones and muscle are heavier than fat are. Um, and then people that are older that maybe lose muscle mass, you can actually underestimate the possible fat deposits they have. So for individuals, there may be better measurements. So for example, your waist circumference is a good measure. Um, for men, anything over 40 is typically associated with a higher risk. You have more visceral fat, or um, you can actually do a ratio of your um, waist circumference to your height. So those would be better measures for the individual. And yes, you can do various um, simple methods of 
measuring body fat that they can do in any gym, basically, to really get an accurate measure of your body fat. And you definitely do not look like somebody who's overweight. Yeah, right. no, yeah exactly. <laughs> right. You're like the fittest guy I yeah, know, seriously. Yeah, it, it, it just like it takes athletes and just puts them in a different category. It does. Like, well, it doesn't it does. really, yeah, Bo Especially Jackson's, after you lost a few pounds on, up with on the, the hair, Right, yeah. Bo Jackson's been <laughs> obese for his entire life. I find that hard to believe. That, that's unbelievable. Yeah. I want to ask you about a little-known and underappreciated virus that people are talking about that spiked this spring. It came after RSV and influenza and COVID-19, or I should say, as they died down. Uh, what can you tell us about, how do you pronounce this, metanumovirus? Yeah, human metanumovirus, very good. Or HMPV is a respiratory virus that causes symptoms that are similar to what you get from the flu or mild case of COVID-19 or RSV, respiratory syncytial virus. Um those would include runny nose, sore throat, fever, cough, and infections of your lungs and bronchioles. Um, cases have spiked here in the spring, especially in kids and seniors, and those are the most vulnerable populations to human metapneumovirus. Um, there's high-quality tests available, so you can actually diagnose this, but typically not over-the-counter or in a physician's office. It would need to be in a hospital or in an emergency department. Really interesting. This may be the second most common cause of respiratory illnesses oh. um, that we, and it's been around for at least fifty years, um, but it really isn't that that well known. And you add up the big four, and we've talked about this. Maybe you've had a triple demic. Yep. Maybe this would be a quadruple demic. Um, when you add up those four viruses, they only cause about fifty percent of respiratory wow. disease. And so. 50% are really unknown causes, so we still have a lot to learn about respiratory viruses. Wow, that's amazing. You add up the big ones, and it's still only 50%. It's still only 50%. Are any of the big four more contagious than the others? Well, I think right now COVID-19 is, is still, is still extremely contagious. contagious, and each iteration of the virus, each variant makes it more and more contagious. Um, I wanted to ask you about something that I found very encouraging, but I think I'm reading too much into it. And that's a study that found that cocoa flavanols may boost memory, but I'm afraid this doesn't mean eat a lot more chocolate. What did the what did the study find? Um, yeah, well, first of all, it doesn't mean eat a lot of chocolate. But, <laughs> Bummer. But, well, I'll explain why at the end. <laughs> Basically, cocoa flavonoids are antioxidant compounds that give fruits and vegetables their bright colors, and they're particularly highly concentrated in green tea berries, apples, and cocoa, as you pointed out. Uh, there's a recent study that showed that flavanols were more likely to, um, low flavanols in your diet were more likely mm -hmm. to cause age-related um, mental decline. And they showed in those individuals that had poor diets, not enriched in flavanols, if they gave them a, a pill with 500 milligrams of flavanols, every day, that they had modest improvements in their uh, ability to think and recall uh, on memory. And again, it was mild. Uh, this isn't um, something that would be unexpected because population-based studies have shown a correlation between low flavanol levels and cognition later in life. Um, now, to get to chocolates, yes, yes. even though if you take a, fl a flavanol pill, there's mild improvement, the problem <laughs> with chocolates is they do have good cocoa, but they've also got butter, fat, yep. um, calories, yep. sugars, and those would offset any benefits that you might have from, from the flavonoids. Yeah, because if you go with just cocoa, it's not, it doesn't taste like the chocolate we consume in a Hershey bar. Um, uh, it, right. It's not that's chocolate right. like we're used to. But what I'm hearing is uh, an apple a day does, in fact, keep the doctor away. It could, and that's always a good thing. 
I was reflecting, Dr. Raymond, as you were getting ready to come in here today, that we started this segment with you almost three years ago, and it was all focused on COVID. I think the name of the segment may have had COVID in the title, and it's such a treat for us that you continue to come in here, and we can broaden the segment out and talk about things in every aspect of mental health, physical health, prevention, what's going on in the world, and uh, we're in such a better place than we were three years ago, and man, we don't take that for granted. Thank you for doing the segment. Yeah, we sure are in a better place, and Again, I, I feel privileged to be able to come in here and, and hang out with you guys. I love to end it with good news of the week. So what do you got for us this yeah, week? Yeah, I'm going to cheat a little bit, and you know I, I tend to do that. So <laughs> I, I want to talk about Memorial Day, even um, though we celebrated it over the weekend. Originally, it was celebrated between 1868 and 1970 on May 30th, which is today. Um, so this is my last call out to oh. the people that have served our country to say thank you. That's awesome. Thank you for saying that. Dr. John Raymond is the president and CEO of the Medical College of Wisconsin. I didn't know that. You learn, learn something every time you're in here. Dr. Raymond, thank you so much. Thanks, John.